you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your hand. Let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. We've got a psychology professor. We've got Dr. Rosalind Goodrich. We're just going to call her Roz today. And if you saw her, you'd know why we call her Roz. She's got this big smile on her face. She's a professor of psychology at Southeastern University in Lakeland. If you didn't know that we had a fantastic Christian university right here locally, Lakeland is, I wanted you to hear about Southeastern. And I also wanted to hear from the heart of a professor that feeds into the minds of students each and every day with a Christ-centered biblical worldview. And so that's why Roz is our guest. Roz, I picked out a verse for you today. John fourteen seventeen. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. You're a psychology professor. You can't understand psychology without understanding the Spirit of God because God created psychology. Roz Goodrich, welcome to I Work For Him. Thanks so much, Jim. I'm delighted that I can be here with you today. I hope you feel that way at the end of the show. That's that's always my goal. That people, they're always excited to begin the show, always worried about the end of the show. If they're, they're bolting out of the studio. Roz, as I do with every one of my guests, I always want to start off with a basis on how did how's Christ making a difference in your life today? Well, I think one of the things, Jim, that I really feel like the Lord is speaking into my heart and has been and continues to is just the necessity of continuously prioritizing my relationship with him, 
relationships with my family, relationships with the people that I work with. But all of that finds its center in my relationship with the Lord because he is the center of all things. It's easy for us to, in our humanness and in our selfishness, kind of just see things our own way. Um, But when we begin to step out of that and really step into a divine perspective, that's when our lives really fall into place. Wow, you said that so well. It's like you're a professor. It's just amazing. What, what, what I loved about what you just said is that your priority is making God your priority and continue to invest in your relationship. And that yes. that is often something that needs to be taught and reminded each and every day. Sure. I mean, absolutely. I, I, I don't know how many of your students, like how many students, you're, you're teaching at the master's level, and do you teach at the doctorate and the master's level at Southeastern? Right now I'm teaching just at the master's in the counselor the, education program. Just at the master's. <laughs> you, you, that's, don't, don't ever say just, because that's an, what an incredible thing that is. But so how many students do you have influence over on a weekly basis? We have about 50 students that are enrolled in our three master's in counseling programs. And those include those that are majoring in school counseling, marriage and family therapy, and professional counseling. Wow. Okay. So 50 students. How many of them do you get to ha- do you get to ask that question? Okay. What is your priority? Your God given priority list? Because you you just stated to me that your priority is to make sure that you keep God your priority, and other yes. things will come into place. But how often do you get to have that conversation with your students? We get to have that conversation with them quite a lot. Most of the students that come to Southeastern have been very intentional, particularly at the graduate level. It's probably true of the undergraduate students as well, but particularly at the graduate level, because they are focused on being people helpers, because they want to be counselors, because they want to make a difference in the life of other people, that is because of their faith base. For most of them, they come as Christians wanting to get a faith-integrated, faith-infused perspective on the problems that folks are going to bring, the struggles that they have, whether that's a student in the school system who's struggling academically or whether it's a marriage that just feels like it's crumbling or whether it's an individual that's struggling with depression or anxiety. Having that Christian perspective as their basis is something that's essential for the folks that come to us. And they know that that is a priority for us, that that's where our heart is. So it's a really good match. So how did God lay on your heart to become a doctor of psychology? I mean, that's pretty intense. I mean, how young were you when you said, I want to be a counselor? So that means I got to have a psychology degree. I mean, and be a doctor. I mean, that's intense. When did God lay that on your heart? I was pretty young. Um, I remember being probably middle school age. But part of that, it's important to understand the context that anybody brings with them as they make those kinds of decisions for their lives and, and are processing through that. And so I, in my family background, I'm from a family on both my dad's side of the family, my mom's side of the family, folks who have been teachers, pastors, chaplains, um, counselors. My dad's a psychologist. So I've had a lot of influence of people that I've been surrounded by and have been models for me. And so that influenced my decision to move into the field. We're talking today with... Dr. Rosalind Goodrich. She's a professor of psychology at Southeastern University. I know it said you're like an assistant professor of psychology. They only let one person be the super, <laughs> super head dude there. Is that what the deal was? Oh, actually, I'm an associate professor. Associate, that's now. what it was. Yeah, an associate that's professor. Right. What that's is that? Right. What does that mean? It's is that the almost? world of academia. There's just varying levels of how much experience that you've had and things of that nature. So, though. when do you get to be super professor oh, of psychology? Oh, it's going to be a long time. Yeah, because you're really young to already have your doctorate in teaching at a university. 
electricity level. So, okay, so we're talking, you know, how God led you to psychology. And what's really cool about psychology is because God created it, it's a natural to figure it out. I mean, the Holy Spirit sure. works in your life each and every day. Did, were you actually an active counselor, psychologist, whatever you want to call yourself, before you decided to teach at the university level? Well, when I was finishing up my doctoral work, I did some internship and work with a practice and had anticipated that my career would be very practice-focused. And at that time, before I finished my dissertation and got my doctoral work done, I had my first daughter. And then by the time I was expecting my second daughter, I realized that the practice was requiring more of my hours than what I wanted it to for having a family as well. And so at that point, I thought, well, I'm going to stay home with my girls. And I got a call from the then dean of the College of Social and Behavioral Sciences, Dr. Larry Hazelbaker, and he said, I need some adjuncts. And I had already taught while I was a graduate student at USF. So I knew that I liked that. It was a lot of fun. And I thought, this is perfect. I can adjunct. I can kind of stay in my field. I can spend a lot of time with my family. So I started doing that, and then I adjuncted. And and as I added uh, my two sons to the family and continued to teach, um, eventually I realized I was adjuncting a lot of hours, and it was it was worth it to go full-time at that point because well, I had a relationship with the university well, yeah, there. Adjuncts don't make as good of money as the regular professors. That is true. I, I have a lot of friends. My sister's an adjunct professor for a university up in Minnesota, so it's I understand. She loves it, absolutely yeah. loves it. I'm like, how much do you make? About $2.50 an hour. <laughs> it's not quite that bad. Oh, no. Hers is that bad. I figured it out. I mean, it was, I figured out the hours she puts in. It wasn't much more than that. I mean, because she not, I mean, obviously if you just look at the hours you're in a classroom, sure it pays good, but still all the hours outside of the classroom. The preparation is very important. So you, you've got a doctorate in psychology. You said the Lord laid that on your heart in middle school. Yes. And and it it was a genetic thing because your, your family is involved in, in this world. How did the Lord, but it's one thing to say, okay, I I love to counsel people. I have a heart for helping people. Yes. To turn that into not only a degree in psychology, then a master's degree in psychology, but then a doctorate, Mm -hmm. that's pretty intense. Mm -hmm. How did the Lord lead you down that pathway? Well, I think a lot of that is my desire as a Christian believer. I really had the desire to help people. And it was finding a way that fit well with who I am and what my skills and abilities are and also fit well with what I was anticipating would be my family situation because my first priority is the Lord, but a high priority is my family. Absolutely. And so looking at what would allow me to do that and my own interests and skills, um, I felt also like the professional autonomy that would come along with a doctoral degree that would give me the ability to have some options in how I walked that out. So that was a main motivator for me. Now, did you get your, and I'm asking all these questions because, you know, a lot of listeners think, well, psychology, they don't hear a lot of Christian psychologists. Mm. They hear a lot of Christian counselors. They don't hear about Christian psychologists. And, and, you know, you have to teach me because I, you know, I'm neither and I'm never going back to get my master's degree. (laughs) If the Lord tells me I have to go back to school, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll probably get on a ship and go to Tarshish instead of where I'm supposed to be going. (laughs) What, What, you know, did you get your degree, your psychology degree from a Christian university or did you get it from USF? It was from USF. Okay. I earned my doctoral degree from USF. So how tough yeah. was that? Because that's not exactly a Christian environment and the psychology world's pretty anti-God. 
Well, some of it is. It, it is true that if you look at the typical, you know, you'll do a poll of the typical American citizen versus the typical American psychologist, you're going to see more atheists right. among the psychologists than you are among the Americans. But one thing that at least was my experience there, and I know it's not going to be the same for everybody in every situation, but I found that the folks that I interacted with were very respectful, respectful of my my background and the things that I valued. And that tended to be a value there among the folks that I was with in my doctoral cohort and my professors. So it was a good experience. So they, they were respectful. Did you, did it help you engage in great conversations about truth with them about Christ? Well, we were able to process through a lot of things that um, included both our faith backgrounds and how that affects how we interact with people. And so I had there were some other students in my doctoral cohort that also were believers. So we had um, some fantastic conversations among and across those different folks that we interacted with. So was it hard, though, to move away then? Because you already had that influence at USF. Was it hard to move away and go to a Christian university? Do you miss that challenge? Well, there's different challenges. I think anywhere that the Lord places you to work, you're going to encounter things that are easy or fun and other things that are challenging. But those, I think we work through as we encounter those, asking the Lord for wisdom and um, assessing with our, along with our colleagues and getting that input. Those things help us to make good and spirit-led decisions wherever we're at. Well, uh, and that's cool. And that's that's what I love about psychology. As as I, I've said this a hundred times, if not a thousand times, I, I have a business degree with, a, I have a computer science degree with a business mm-hmm. minor. So if it, people that know me, they're like, really, Jim, a programmer? Seriously, not you. I wish I'd have taken, I never took any psychology in, in school. It should be a required course for anybody going into business. Psychology yeah, should be one of it. I mean, it absolutely <laughs> should be because all I've done is study psychology for 30 years since mm-hmm. I got out of college. Because, sure. I mean, that's really what management's all about. And it's it's hilarious now that I understand and, and, and frequently access the Holy Spirit in my business transactions mm-hmm. to be able to understand the psychology because the Lord really, I mean, it's, it's just understanding people. And he yes. created it all. Yes. That's, that's the cool Absolutely. part. Absolutely. So the Lord led you to Southeastern just through being an adjunct. That that's how it got started. There. Yeah. Right. I had been a student there years ago, though, so really? that's how Larry knew me. Did yeah. you get your... Like, My undergrad degree was from Southeastern. So you went from Southeastern yeah. to USF back to Southeastern. Mm-hmm. Nice. I love that. Okay. Yeah. So what kind of college is Southeastern? Because it's one of those ones where, you know, when Clearwater Christian College uh, stopped at its existence here in Tampa Bay, there was such a great mourning. It, it was, sure. But... But Southeastern's just outside of Tampa Bay. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of people think, well, Lakeland, is it Tampa Bay? I don't really know, but it's really not that far it's away. It's not I mean, too far. You know, it, depending on the traffic, it's a 45-minute drive. Right. Or two-hour drive, depending on, you know, <laughs> depending on what day and the weather's like. Talk about Southeastern as a college. What's it like? We have a Christian perspective. Southeastern is a Christian university. And we have both undergraduate and graduate programs there. We have various colleges, the natural and health sciences, social and behavioral sciences, Christian ministries and religion, uh, the College of Education, arts and media. So we have a number of different undergraduate and graduate programs there, as well as the EDD, the doctoral degree in education. So there's quite a diversity in terms of majors that are available there. But one of the things that's really our distinction, it is our goal to help students, whatever program that they're in, to really understand how the Lord has created them, what's unique about them, what's their divine design, and how can they equip themselves then to live that out 
with the power of the Spirit in whatever place the Lord places them, whether they're working in a secular setting, whether they're working in a business, whether they're teaching children in kindergarten or high school, or whether they're in the medical field, whatever it is that God's called them to do, modeling and working with them to help them develop that. Now, it's a, I have not been on the campus yet, and I, I wish I had. Some, you've got to give me a reason to be on the campus someday. Maybe bring me in and talk to your psychology class about business mm-hmm. people. You never know. Or about marriage. That'd be fun. Yeah. So how big of a campus is it? How many students? We have about... 4,500 students this semester that are on So it's campus. A, not a small campus, but it's not a monstrous campus right, either. Right, Wow, neat. Yeah. Right, 4,500. Yeah. And we have online programs too, so we have additional students that are in other places other than on the campus. So and really quick before we go to break, you did your dissertation. What was your dissertation about? Anything it was, really interesting? It, it was a, what well, was interesting to me, I don't know how interesting it is. Those, that kind of academic research isn't always interesting to everybody else as much as it, as it is to the researcher. But I looked at parent education programs for preschool students to help them with social skills development, looking at that parental-child relationship as being really essential to the child developing pro-social skills. Wow, that was deep. I had a buddy of mine did a doctorate on pond scum in Minnesota, so yours is way better. <laughs> I am not kidding. I am not kidding. He evaluated pond scum for his dissertation. All right, so listen, you mentioned that the well, – what, let's just repeat what the goal is of Southeastern for the students. Talk about you, – you mentioned it. I want you to repeat it again. Sure, sure. We work with our students for them to really discover what their divine design is, how the Lord made them – what their skills and abilities are, and then how he can use that out in the world. Our desire is to model vibrant relationships with the Lord for our students and for them to grow in their knowledge of him. And then their desire from there is going to be to live that out, walk that out with other folks that are around in their lives, whatever their workplace is. Um, They will have relationships with folks that will allow them to be the light of the gospel in whatever way the Lord has called them to do that. I loved your word vibrant because you want people to have a vibrant relationship with the Lord. And, and people don't, I don't know, people just don't understand the incredibleness of a relationship with our Heavenly Father because a lot of people keep him at an arm's length distance. And, and, and he desires an intimacy with us better than your ever best friend. Mm-hmm. But it is, it just requires investment just like it would be if you sure. had it with your best friend. So I, I love that. And you're getting students after they've already gotten four years of school. And a lot right. of times they've gone through four years of Southeastern and then they're coming to you. Or maybe they've come from other schools and mm-hmm. coming to you. So, but they're they're focusing on the world of psychology and Christian counseling. Because psychology, mm-hmm. a lot of people that have psychology masters and doctorates, they're doing Christian counseling. Mm-hmm. They're doing some counseling of some yeah. sort. But in the world, when you say the word psychology, they think of it as a worldly discipline. That it, mm-hmm. that's got this perspective of it's very, what's the word? Very clinical, very... Um, I can't think of the right words. There's some great four or five syllable words, I'm sure, to describe it, but (laughs) I don't know what they are. How do you bring back the spiritual and biblical perspective to the discipline of psychology? Well, from my way of experiencing it, seeing it, understanding it, it's not separated from the divine. It's not separated from the spiritual because, as, as you've pointed out, the Lord created us. He knows how we're made. He doesn't just know how our bodies work. He knows how our minds work. He understands how our emotions operate. He understands the different mental schemas that we have that help us make sense of things. And so when we approach this, from a Christian perspective, we're really just embracing part of the way that the Lord has created us and having a better understanding of that. 
I love that. And really, that's I love what you start off at the beginning. I actually love a lot of what you just said. Actually, I liked it all. Um, but what I'm <laughs> what I'm saying is that that you just said it's not it's not separated. But the right. world, but the world crosses out the God part. Sure. And yet, what, what do they accomplish? They, they, a lot of psychologists, is it psychologists or psychiatrists that can do the drugs? It's the psychiatrist. Okay. It's a medical degree. Right. Okay. So, okay. So it, well, yeah, but yours is even more difficult because <laughs> you'd have to deal with the actual personalities instead of just giving somebody drugs. But that, that's the world's answer to people yeah. that have problems that, well, we'll just give you a drug. Well, if you're, if you're depressed, we'll give you some drug. If you're not, if you're, you know, manic and you're up and down, I'll tell you, we'll give you a different drug, whatever, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But that's not the solution. Right. God is the solution. Hope in Christ is the solution. Mm-hmm. He can restore and redeem, redeem and restore anything. Yes. So how do you how do you equip your students for the battle, though? Because they're going to face a battle because the world doesn't see things the way you see them. I mean, well, that's true. And you're bringing up something really interesting to me, Jim, and that is the issue of perception and what we see and how we understand. And one of the fundamental challenges that we face as human beings is that we don't see things rightly. We've, our perception is so self-based by our own human, our fallen human nature, that we are many times unable to identify with what other people are experiencing. We have a hard time really knowing ourselves. And ultimately, it's by understanding a godly perspective. That's what we seek, because the Lord really should be the center. He really truly is the center of everything. And as we approach an understanding of that, as we get closer to that reality, those other things that we don't see well either begin to have the light shed upon them so that we have better understanding of how to relate to one another, how to relate to ourselves. I should just let you talk the whole time because you've got so much great stuff. What, what, what you just said to me was the the other psychologists that are out there they're really blind because they're only looking at half the picture and what when you actually when true. you when yes. you when you start to allow the perspective of wow there is a god who's a creator who created all of us all of a sudden everything makes sense in a different light than it, it ever does. did before it does. and i agree cuz i don't have a psychology degree or a master's degree or a doctorate degree and i'll repeat that again lord please don't make me ever go back <laughs> to school again uh, that that when you consider that the Lord created. Well, you've got four children. Yes. How many of them are exactly alike? None. <laughs> yeah. So when you start to sing the Sesame Street song, one of these things is not like the other. That's right. All of them are different. And yeah. did any of them come out of the womb with the Velcro strap with the manual? <laughs> no, they did not. How cool would that be? I keep talking to the Lord about this new design he needs to come up with because we got to figure out our kids. I mean, yeah. Every one of them is different. How yeah. you discipline every child yes, is yes. different. What worked with number one absolutely won't work with number four. Right. I know that because the fourth child is trouble. <laughs> right, honey? That's right. Uh, and the third child is definitely trouble because that's what I am. So, But that application of psychology, when you, when you recognize the fact that God created us so differently, yes. the only way to get the real answer to helping somebody is you got to pray about it. Mm-hmm. Lord, I have no idea how to help this person. Can you just give me a little insight? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what I have found in having conversations with people, and again, I'm not a licensed person like you. I don't have a doctorate degree. But when I pray that, I say, Lord, I have no idea how to help this people, help the people that we're talking to. Martha and I are doing marriage mentoring. Or if I'm with a business owner, mm-hmm. trying to understand his perspective, I pray the prayer, Lord, I need some help here. And he'll just have me ask the right question mm-hmm. that I don't know I need to ask. He'll have me ask the right question, and it, it uncovers the issue. Yes. And that's the cool part because the Lord knew exactly what I needed to uncover, 
but I had no idea how to ask the right question. And that's really what makes a good counselor a good counselor or a good psychologist a good psychologist. It's how do you feel about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, it really ultimately is about relationship. The connection and the relationship is so essential in really helping folks. They need to know that they're loved. And what is more scriptural or biblical than that deep love, deep valuing of other human beings, not because of what they've done, but they're created in God's image. They're his children. And in recognizing that, what a gift that is to give to people that we work with, that affirming of they're valuable because they're the Lord's. So how do you then take your students to the next level? Because a lot of students that are getting doctorate degrees in psychology think, well, that's my job. And what I have seen, that people are going to counseling and psychology, they do it because they had some experience in their life where they were able, somebody helped them, mm-hmm. where they were able to help people. And so they're like, that's what I want to do. Yeah. I, want, I want to do that. How do you equip them as a missionary? Because it, it is such a huge mission field. And in today's world, because so many people live without hope, the psychology world, the counseling world, so many people need to hear the truth Yes. How do you specifically, besides the fact that you're teaching them about psychologists, Mm -hmm. how do you equip them as a missionary? Because they need to recognize their workplace is their mission field. Yes, absolutely. Well, part of that is there are so many ways in which we do it, not just the direct instruction, but our field, I feel like particularly for someone who is a believer, because we are looking at human beings, it naturally integrates with our faith. That's we're we're looking at God's work. So it to me, this is an easy field to do that in. But there is there's the instructional piece, but there's also the experiential piece. There's the modeling that we do. We're open with our students and help them watch and listen to us as we process through things, as we work together. And We also, when they're going through experiential, you know, whether it's field experience, practicum, internship, those kinds of things, come alongside them and work through whether it's specific cases or, um, you know, things that they're creating and presenting to be helpful. You said that that of all of the disciplines, you know, psychology naturally integrates faith and their job. And so you don't feel like you really have to be as, well, you didn't say this. I'm putting words in your mouth. You don't have to be as intentional in helping them connect the dots because you can't imagine teaching psychology without the spiritual side Mm -hmm. of it. But I will tell you that a lot of people really need that I dotted and T cross going, really, I'm a minister? Mm -hmm. Because really, you're prepared. You are teaching ministers Mm -hmm. and pastors because really counseling is a pastoral role. But it's also it, it's a minister role because you're really touching people's hearts. Sure. So how do you purposefully knock people over the head and go recognize <laughs> this is your mission field? And in your mission field, you may be the only Jesus people ever meet. Right. How, how do you intentionally whack them over the head and tell them that? Well, there's a couple of there's a number of different things I'd like to say to that. So I'll try to, to try to sort them well, all I don't, out. I don't, want, I don't want you to say something. I want you to tell me in your classroom, what are you doing to purposefully do this? Well, we integrate the scripture into what we do. If there is any basis by which we live our lives as Christians, it's the scripture is is our guidebook. That is what helps us to, that's our spiritual discipline that helps us grow in the Lord, the scripture and prayer. And so that's foundational to who we are. But but a lot of what we do is is involved in the the person's own growth and formation as a believer and as a human being. So being able to connect with the Lord, and it's often called self-care, 
But for us, there's certainly that spiritual reality of self-care to become someone who is Christ-like. And through that, that infuses the relationships that we have with other people with that um, fruit of the Spirit that we live out as we walk with them. But in, in terms of kind of looking at our work situations as being our ministries, certainly that's the case. And, and that really goes back to Scripture as well. We know that we've been told be instant in season and out of season. I'm trying to remember the reference, and I don't know it off the top that's of my okay. head. But uh, that, that's important for us. And really when Jesus talks about all the commandments, all the law and the prophets are summed up in love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Really, that's what we're about. And you can love your neighbor if you're a counselor. You can love your neighbor if you're a garbage collector, whatever situation that you find yourself Great in. counselor and garbage collector have a lot in common. They do sometimes. They, they do sometimes. They really <laughs> do. They really do. You, you, you sound like you really have a lot of fun doing yes, what you do. absolutely. I, I didn't give you a chance absolutely. to say hi to your students. I assumed that you handed this out as an assignment for them to listen to the yes. show. So do you want to say hi it's to them? It's homework. Hi, everybody. You know I love you. Now, you understand not only is Val Harwell, who's been on my show yes. many times, she's yeah. one of your students, but she's you also great. recognize that one of your students was an eighth grader in my math class that we talked about earlier that I was a math teacher. Uh, one of your students, did you, you didn't know I this. I didn't know that. Yes. And, and I won't say her name, but I will... Uh, I'll tell you her name after the show. But okay. She, we, were t- we were trying to teach percentages in class. Yeah. And so we were talking about sale prices and how we could knock off the percentages. And, sure. she, and she said to me, sales, those are for ships. <laughs> so after I tell you who the student is, you'll love that. And hopefully she's listening today. She's going, oh, Mr. B, I can't believe he just told that story. All right. So. Val told me about how incredible this whole master's program has been mm. for her and how rewarding it has been. W- what makes the master's program there at Southeastern so special? I mean, your, your master's in psychology, what makes it so special? Well, I think the first thing that makes it special is that we are a gathering of really earnest believers who really want to love the Lord wholeheartedly and to do what he's called us to do. And... You know, faculty, administration, students, the folks that are there, I think our desire for the Lord to be first and us to be second is part of what really makes that work. And really, that's what makes all relationships work, because it pulls us out of our self-centered nature into looking after the needs of others, looking after one another. So that's part of it. But certainly we strive, I mean, our, our programs are designed so that we align with the requirements for the state of Florida for licensure, for the Department of Education, for our school counselors. Students can become licensed marriage and family therapists. So there's that academic piece that's essential. We want our students to be well equipped. So it's an important priority. And that occurs within this context of relationships that we're really very intentional about. Mm. I, I love that. And so really, you end up being not only a professor, but you're a discipler. I mean, you're really uh, yes. discipling students. Yes, absolutely. Well, but they disciple us, too. Well, that's what I was going to ask you next. What do you learn from your students? I mean, I, you've because you're not dealing with just kids that are 24 years old getting master's degree. Some you've of got, them are. Right, but, but some of them have some more tenure than sure. that. Yeah, we, absolutely. Is that a good word, tenure? That sounds good more, to me. Have, more heavily experienced. Life whatever. experience, yeah, like sure. A, yeah. So what, what are some of the things that students have taught you? 
Maybe let's just specific. What have they taught you about God? Mm, I have I have been so encouraged by the personal stories that students have shared about their walk with the Lord, things that he's brought them through, things that he's taught them, his faithfulness to them. Just those when you see it in a personal, direct, experiential way, it's a blessing to know that God is working in in diverse ways, but with people in all walks of life, all kinds of backgrounds. And that's just a tremendous encouragement to me. Mm, I I love that. It is, you've got such a privilege to be exposed to so many great kids. And these are kids that are really, they're they're chasing after the Lord. They're in a Christian environment on purpose. They're chasing after a a ministry that they want to spend the rest Mm -hmm. of their life ministering to people. Uh, I I love, I I love that you're, you get reverse influence and influence all at Mm -hmm. the same time. I, I think that's just fantastic. I wanted to ask you, let me just, I'm going to throw you, I'm going to go personal on you. Okay. Okay. Cause you, you've got a doctorate in psychology. Mm-hmm. How fair is that to your husband? I mean, seriously. <laughs> I mean, I th- try th- to just take that hat off, you know, when I go home and, but you can't, once you really are trained in a discipline, you can't unknow the things that you've learned. Um, but I, doesn't that been... give you an unfair advantage though, when you're having these, when you're having an argument, I'm sure you and your husband never <laughs> argue, but let's just say you were to have an argument. Doesn't it give you an unfair advantage? I, I don't think so, because the way I really see, and I think he would say this as well. You think so? Um, He's not here to defend himself. No, he's not. So I'll just have to ask him later. But um, both of us really earnestly desire to serve the Lord first. And with that being the basis for our relationship, there's a lot of hassles or challenges that that, that never even rise to the place of conflict because of that. And I have to give him just so much credit for just being such a wonderful disciple and such a wonderful person. So easy to live with, so kind. And I, I try in when, you know, when there are things that are challenging for us to communicate, to be honest and open. And really one of the things that I can say with confidence that I, that both of us could say is I realize I may not be right in what I'm perceiving or experiencing or feeling, but I'll be honest with you about what I'm seeing and experiencing. Put it out there, work through it. Uh, We have a deep level of trust, and that's a tremendous blessing from the Lord, I know. So even though you're a psychologist, you're saying you still can't read his mind. Nobody can read anybody's <laughs> mind. That is very dangerous territory it to is. get into. That's one of the first things Martha and I always set up when we're doing a marriage mentoring study. Is just remember, you do not know what your spouse is thinking. Yeah, you may think that is do. hard for people, though. Yes, that it is, is because they difficult. really think they know. Well, they do think they know, and the reason that they think they know is that they live with them, they experience interacting with them, they have firsthand. They're witnesses. You could put them on the witness stand, and they would say, "This is what I know about this person." The difficulty is they're not in their head all the time. No, they're so not. So they really don't I'm grateful. know what they think they know. I'm grateful because, yeah, because I, I still battle my old self. I don't want Martha to think <laughs> all the things I still battle. But but that's one of the things that, that we've, we've learned in the 30 years of our marriage. It's like, wow, okay, I don't know what you're thinking. I think I know what you're thinking. That face used to mean this. Now it means a different thing. The faces <laughs> thing is one of those deals. Hey, hey so what about with your kids? Because mm-hmm. with your kids, th- again, they're at an unfair advantage disadvantage because you, <laughs> you got a doctorate in psychology you're dealing with teenagers 
How how has that played out? You know, there is a quote from a British author from a long time ago whose name I wish I could remember, but it goes something like this. Before I had children, I had four solid theories of child raising. Now I have four children and no theories. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> we take it day by day. And, and as you said earlier, every child needs a different response based on who they are as a person, who God's created them to be. And the the thing that I value and think is so important is to be in prayer, to create an environment where the kids really love the Lord and identify with the Lord. And then, you know, you work through the things that come up from that as a basis. There's a great book that Martha and I recommend to a lot of families with teenagers by a guy named Paul David Tripp, and it's called Age of Opportunity. Mm. Great book on raising mm-hmm. teenagers to look at every one of those incidences with our teenage children as an as an opportunity to again, reinforce God in their lives. Yes, it is yes. a great, great book. So if anybody's out there struggling with teenagers, that is a great book to get, Age of Opportunity. They right, often so, need you more, too, when they're teens. Sometimes we think babies are the ones that need the parent all the time. The teens need the parents, Oh, too. no, the teens need the parents more than the little, than mm-hmm. elementary kids. Mm-hmm. They absolutely, from 13 to 18, your kids absolutely need you. So Jose asked me to ask this question because I think it's a great question. Sure. How different is your field of study today versus when you got your degree? How, how have things in the world's eyes, how have oh, things evolved? Yeah. Well, one of the things that's kind of trended in the field is that there are a lot of, we might call them micro theories, um, that we recognize, that, and this has probably go, been going on for a while, but I think it's intensified recently. We recognize that human beings are so complex. And I don't know. Yo, I'm pretty simple. <laughs> there's so much. Women are complex. <laughs> Men are simple. We compartmentalize everything. Oh, well, but, but look at everything that goes on in our own physiology that we don't even understand oh, yeah. all those processes. I was know, being that, facetious. We, we, <laughs> we have so many things that um, you, it's difficult to have one simple theory that explains everything about a person. And there's a recognition of that. So there's really a tendency to to look on a more specified level. What works in this kind of situation with a person of this age and this experience and really honing research into look at those kinds of things. Do you think that psychology, which was so against God for so many years, do you mm-hmm. think they're opening up their eyes to recognize, wow, they didn't have all the answers. They have to they have to look further. They have to look to the spiritual I don't think there's one answer to that. I think for some people, yes, perhaps. For others, probably not. That's sad. But Dr. Roz Goodrich, he's a professor of psychology at Southeastern University in Lakeland. We've been talking about, wow, just how the Lord is using her to equip the ministers of psychology that she sends them out to be counselors, Christian counselors, psychologists all over the country. You got, I imagine you got students going everywhere, don't you? We do. We do. I know we have some students that have moved on to Texas and North Carolina and South Carolina and a number of places. So what is your favorite thing? As we close out the show, what's the favorite thing about being a professor in a Christian university? Oh, it's the people. They're so much fun. I get to interact with smart, fun, awesome people every day. Students, professors, colleagues. 
It's awesome. Have you ever had a chance to lead somebody to Christ in your classroom, or do you always get the, I'm already a Christian people? Uh, usually it's the, I'm already a Christian people, but I did have a student in a class who had already come to the Lord, but he became a Christian while he was at Southeastern, and that was cool. Yeah, that is so cool. All right, so as you, as we end the show today, just one word to send out to those students out there, those prospective students, why should they go to Southeastern? Why should they choose Southeastern? Southeastern is a place where there, there is a community of faith, a community that's dedicated to serving the Lord, a community that's dedicated to serving one another, a community that's dedicated to serving our surrounding area, our, our towns, our state, our world. And together, we can do that. You know, we learned that our faith can impact our workplace. It doesn't matter what we do. And today we talked about psychology. And if there's ever a place in the world that questions the existence of God, it's those psychologists out there. But what we heard from Roz today is that you can't really separate God from psychology. In fact, God is what makes psychology make sense. And if you're a manager, a supervisor, you just work with people. In fact, if you got any friends, how about any children? How about a, a married? You're married. You got relationships with people. Psychology matters. God created each one of us individually. And the only way to understand each other is by taking time to invest and learn about each other. But the Holy Spirit working inside of us gives us an inside advantage on helping people out. Psychology was designed by God for us to be able to minister to people. It is so incredible. I really hope you were challenged today. But I want to challenge you to start praying for your coworkers and employees by name each and every day. Join the I Work Ram Nation tonight. You've been listening to I Work Ram with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower and I own my own business, but ultimately... Ultimately, I work for him.